0: Good morning. Howdy. As we begin today, and
1: thinking about the last several weeks, we just come off of our missions convention. And I think it's kind of a a good thing this morning. The flags are still up here. But we want to take it this morning a little step further. And this morning we're going to talk about living a life of mission. And it's more than somewhere around the world. And as we look this morning, we want to see the big idea of living a life of mission. We're going to see that in in the Great Commission a little bit, and we've talked about that over the last several weeks. But I want to start with a story. Almost 10 years
0: ago, or close to that, I remember a little village of Haitian field workers next to the MGM compound in Otomayor, Dominican Republic.
1: That year, believe it or not, there I am with Jim Kesterholt, we're doing basketball ministry. Now me, I look more like the ball than someone who should be teaching basketball, but that's not why I was there. But that day in that village I got to see
0: the Holy Spirit work through Jim Kestrel. There was a lady in that village who was a Christian. Her husband was not.
1: He was wrestling with a lot of things. He did not
0: think himself worthy to even be considered be a follower of Christ he worked in the liquor store and didn't think that
1: because he was feeding his family that way that God could call him or accept him and I got to see Jim share the message of God's grace and love and mercy and hope and got to see God used Jim for the very first time to actually lead someone to Christ. And it's like to see him, you know, we're leaving the village and doing the touchdown dance all the way back to the compound.
0: But to see the mission part of that was exciting. And I want us to
1: think as we think of living a life of mission, when was the last time you got excited about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? I mean, really excited. And as we begin, I want to paint a filter, um, a couple passages we've looked at in the last several weeks through our missions convention. I want to start with Matthew 28 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A companion to that passage we see in Acts 1.8, that has become one of, of the big passages, marching orders that God has given to the Christian and missionary lines. Remember, missions is our middle name, but our first command. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I want us to think about these two passages in, in scope.
0: It begins locally, it continues regionally, and it
1: progresses to globally. And as we look at this progression, I want us to think also that it, it begins in our familiar place, it continues in places that are not so familiar to us. And it ends in places that are totally foreign to us. And so as we look at uh, what we're going to be sharing this morning, I want us to think about that. Think about your life being missional, and the familiar and the, the less familiar, and the way out there maybe. So as we share this morning, I want to share several points as we look at the Great Commission and and what we see in Acts 1.8 going with it. Different aspects and points and parts to consider of an effective mission strategy. And I want us to think of a mission strategy as something that we do individually and something that we do corporately as a church body and universally as the church church around the world. And as we look at these certain aspects of these are going to appeal to you maybe a little differently than to me, but all are to be considered. How you in your missional part puts these in importance is going to be a little different mix than that of the person sitting next to you because God has called us differently. Do different parts of the task, but we're all called. So the first point we want to look at today is that God's heart and mercy extend to all people. We want to look at the missional heart of God, and if we think missional heart of God we, we literally pick up the whole Bible. It begins with the first chapter of Genesis and ends in the last chapter of Revelation. It's one story. It's God creating a people for his glory and for his fellowship. Not that he needs us, but because he wants to bestow love and have a relationship with us that permeates the whole of Scripture. And so we see God's heart and mercy extend to all people. And a couple of passages to, to back this up. One a little more familiar than the other. The first is John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world,
0: but in order that the world might be saved through him. Second is 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his
1: promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach
0: repentance. See, the heart of God gives us a choice. He wants us to choose him, but he
1: loves us enough to let us make a choice. But the heart of God is missional in that it tells us the results of either of those choices. Jesus in John 3.16, whoever believes should not perish. And in 2 Peter 3.9, Peter communicates the thought and, and connotation that God doesn't want anyone to perish.
0: And looking up that word perish in the original, it can be left behind. It could be caused to lose. Or it could be destroyed. None of those three things is what God
1: wants for you. It's not what God wants for those
0: around you. But God paved a way. And we want to really look at that. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, that the world would be saved
1: through him. And that brings us to our second point. Okay, we looked at God's heart and mercy extend to all people. The second point is missions involves a message that message is the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Without Christ, people are lost. Today we hear a lot of people say, well, there are many ways to God. Sorry, I'm going to be exclusive
1: here. There's one. Jesus said he was
0: it. Deviation from that is the life from the pit of hell. God loves us. He made it simple.
1: There's only one way. There's only one way to consider anything else
0: you've written yourself or someone else has written. And I want us to consider several passages that talk about what the message
1: really is. And there's parts of it Parts of it that that need to make us face ourselves, but also look at what Christ has done for us. The first of these is Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory
0: of God. All right, question. Who sinned? All? Okay, all have sinned. My little buddy here, he's young. He has not yet started lying. He may already have started manipulating. Maybe. All right. We don't have to teach that. We don't have to teach our kids to deceive, to hide the things they've done wrong.
1: And you know what? Sometimes it's hard for us not to also do those things. When we slept. we're born with a sin nature. Started in chapter three of the Bible, Genesis three, when with the fall of man. But it's not hopeless. John, First John one nine, if we confess our sins, which are things, think of missing the mark. He. Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, Romans six twenty-three also says, you know, those wages that we earned is death, but the free gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. First John one nine, if we confess that, God is faithful. He's going to do what he said, He's going to do what He promised.
0: His promises are always good. His promises are always true. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. I'm so glad he has. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That message
1: continued. We see in 2 Corinthians uh, 2 verses in chapter 5. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespass against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Even in our sin, God
0: was making it right, going to make it right, in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was coming to pay that penalty for our sin.
1: We did it wrong, but it was him that was making it right. The last part of that message also says, in entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Our our mission involving a message, it's
0: the gospel. We can live upright, good lives that people around us can see, but as we live that life, you know, some people say,
1: you know, I, I'm going to live the gospel, you know, and if possible, and when needed, I will say something. It's like, without that message, there is no gospel. The gospel needs to be shared. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
0: The substitution of Christ for our sin. So that part of the message is what we need to communicate. I could do nothing
1: to make my life right and clean before God. I still
0: can't. Our pastors can't. You can't. God made Christ, who had no sin, to be our sin. Paid that penalty once for all. So that we could be free from sin and free from death. That's the message of missions. The third point or aspect
1: in, in considering our life of mission is that missions faces a supernatural opponent. We shouldn't realize that, the, you know, we should realize there's an enemy, and we shouldn't be surprised that he doesn't want us to be successful as we live a
0: life of mission. Matter of fact, the greatest thing he does is to try and stop us
1: and stop the message of that gospel. The enemy wants to rob God of as many people as possible. So if we see the heart of God wishing that no one would perish, the enemy wishes that all would perish. We have a foe, and he's not going to take it lightly. Think about the number of times when you think, oh, I'm going to really, I'm I'm going to get my mind squared around. God's word and obedience, and that's when the attack hits, isn't it? We see it. We experience it. You know, just about the time you think things are really going well between you and God, someone sneaks up behind you with a two-by-four and smacks you over the back of the head.
0: We have an enemy. And thinking about that, we see that in Ephesians 6.12. The enemy we
1: have is not the people around us who are not yet saved. People are not our enemies. I should say that like five times in the Hebrew tradition to get you to think about that. The people that don't agree with you are not the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, that enemy does not want us to be missional.
0: Sometimes that two by four, for me anyway, can be real subtle.
1: Part of that is you don't have time to be missional. You don't have time while you're in that line to share
0: Jesus with someone. You don't have time to be kind here. Or, it's just too inconvenient right now. I need a little me time. That one is very effective, it's easy to buy. The next point
1: God is sovereign and in charge of missions. We need to realize missions did not originate with us. It didn't originate with a
0: denomination. It didn't originate with the church. It originated with God. The plan was in place before the fall. The plan was cemented, cemented
1: solidified in the coming and the saving, redemptive work of Christ.
0: But God in His sovereignty is in charge. Our part is to, is to kind of watch where
1: God is moving and where He's already moving and where we feel
0: the call and, and the prod to participate. That's when you want to jump on. When you know where he's already working.
1: And he shows you where he's working. And he begins to show you possibly your part in that. And thinking about that, looking at Acts 17, 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even as some of your own poets have said. For we indeed are his offspring. God in his sovereignty as we look at living a life of mission. Is. In his sovereignty he's made people and nations. In certain times and in certain places
0: for his purpose. But it's not just those people, it's us as Christians. You're placed
1: in that job that you may hate. Trust me, I understand that sometimes. We're placed in situations in our neighborhoods.
0: We're placed in situations regionally sometimes. In the past, I remember being placed in, even in the state capitol for certain times and places with a certain message. So of you. That's being missional. Our life of living a missional life is
1: understanding you are here for a purpose. You are here for a reason.
0: And that reason isn't about you, it's not about me. And so we think about that. And we're placed in a certain place
1: in time as those around us that in verse 27 there, they should seek God. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. A missional life shows them who Christ is. It tells them. It's part of that, that word that we talked about. Having that gospel message. The next point, we're Christ ambassadors. Lastly, we see how we fit into the mission and plan of God. We're
0: his people were his
1: possession and and it's for a purpose 1 Peter 2 9 and 10 but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light once you were not a people but now you are God's people Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We look at verse 9 there, and I think about the Old
0: Testament. Think about God's missional calling of, of Israel. God
1: made a nation out of one man, pulled out of another nation.
0: Worked through Abraham. And that lineage... called him out to be a possession. And those people were to be missionals. They were called apart to look different, to be different. Some of those roles that we look at
1: in, in those first five books of the Bible make us scratch our heads sometimes.
0: Some of those things were just to make Make them not look like the people around them. And the reason here, we're chosen that we mo- may proclaim His excellencies. It comes with message as well. Now, as we look at these points,
1: there are two take-homes we need to really look at. Uh, the first one is when we consider these strategic points that we put together in our lives, there's two implications. Uh, one is for the church together. One is for the individual. And as we look at God's mission, I want us to think church, capital C. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, and great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. Thinking about that, that passage uh, is labeled in most Bibles and by many scholars, is the great command to be parallel to the Great Commission. So we need to love God first, and we need to love our neighbor second. As we do this together
0: as a church, it's a collective obedience, okay? It's looking and understanding at least in a finite
1: way, what he wants to do. Because if we love God first, we begin to love our neighbor.
0: And as we do that, you know, we want to think and consider all that there is. And and as we obey We understand the heart of God. And as we do that, we understand our part in which we love our neighbor.
1: You know, think of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan that we're not going to read, where someone tested Jesus and you know asked the question, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus didn't give him the answer of who the neighbor was, he gave the answer of be a neighbor. So us as a church, collectively, we need to love God first as one. We need to love our neighbors. Parallel to that function of the church is how we live
0: individually. And the implications of this is in our heart of hearts We need to love God. Do we really love God? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. When we love God, we will will obey what he says. You know, those of you kids, okay, back to our little buddy, he's not here now, but someday, someday, he will learn the word no. It doesn't stop. It it will never stop, okay? We're the same way. There's not one of us out here that and on occasion, doesn't say no. But personal obedience to what God wants should be a continued yes to what, how he wants us to live and how he wants us to share his mission. And as we, we think about that, the, the second part of that is... is we need to love our neighbor. We need to seek out those around us. And we don't have to look far. Those who don't know who Jesus is. And as this world progresses, that mission field is growing immensely. And when I think about loving our neighbor, how many of us
1: really care whether or not our neighbor is going to heaven or going to hell? Does it make a difference in how we react to our neighbors? Does it make a difference on, on how we treat the people in our city?
0: Does it make a difference in how we help people in need? It should. Okay, enough of pounding on you. I don't want to pound on you anymore.
1: The point is this. If we love God, we're going to love our neighbors.
0: And it's going to become natural. And it's going to become easier. And I can't express the blessings of understanding and
1: seeing God use us individually and corporately, missionally,
0: to bring people to him. I began a story earlier
1: and talking about what God did through Jim and Jim didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. The rest of
0: that story began weeks earlier. A lady we had never met, Arlene. Her and another
1: lady went to that little village and they prayed day after day after day and they hit wall after wall after wall. Hearts that did
0: not want to respond or even listen. And we were doing basketball, you know, me and my NBA buddy, Jim.
1: We did that at night, and one morning we're in devotions, and we get the message that we're supposed to go with Arlene to that
0: village because the wall was coming down. We had nothing to do with that. Arlene and the other ladies that were praying
1: didn't really have anything to do with that other than our participation in what God was already
0: doing and what the Holy Spirit wanted to see happen. We went to that village and that day we saw six people come to Christ out of a village
1: of a hundred. The next day I think there were three more.
0: And You know, as we we think about that, think about what we see here.
1: We saw that God's heart and mercy extended to all people. People that we were
0: uncomfortable talking to. Missions involved a message. The message was the hope
1: and forgiveness and mercy that only Jesus can bring. We saw that missions faced a supernatural opponent.
0: That little village had a witch doctor who was deep into voodoo. That wall came down that day. We learned that God
1: is sovereign in charge of missions because we realized that that power
0: was not ours. The power was the Holy Spirit. And the last part, we are Christ's ambassadors.
1: So as we live a life of mission, I want you to think and
0: consider, just as I have to think and consider, how we look to the world around us. Sometimes the only Bible people are going to read are the one that they see in you. Do we do it well? Do we live lives that may exclude
1: half the population just by an opinion that we
0: we hold higher than God, maybe? Do we have that neighbor that we just can suck the life out of a room that we don't want to talk to?
1: We've been there. Some of us are are that neighbor. I may be that neighbor. But there are obstacles we just have to get over if we want to be missional. And if we love God, we'll love our neighbor
0: and learn to love our neighbor better. For me, sometimes it it is meant,
1: uh, living a life of mission is sometimes just shutting up and not making that comment I want to make. Because if I make it, then I know I shouldn't have made it, and then it's already too late.
0: But missions, and living a missional life, it's something we're all called to do.
1: It's the power of God wanting to be lived out through you to spread his word and message. And the blessings are phenomenal. This needs to be a high point. It needs to end on a a positive thing. There's a whole lost and dying world that God does not want to see perish. That's why Scripture says when one person comes to God, there's this big celebration in heaven over the one that came.
0: He gives us the privilege of being a part of that. As we live missionally. And I can look back, you know, I know a lot of times where I haven't done it right and have tried my way and failed. But I can also look back and see the times when I just did
1: it God's way and let it be His power and His decision, His timing even though I wasn't sure of what was going on, and saw someone give their life to Christ. Now that there's a little more snow on the roof, I can look back and see more of those opportunities that God has really used. And it's not something special about me other than it's obedience. And it's the same with you. If you love God and love your neighbor, he's going to make it happen. In relationship. Missions is relationship. It's what God wants with us. It's what God wants with those who are yet to become part of the family.
0: And I can just picture the time when when it's our turn to get there.
1: And actually we'd be able to see the impact of what we thought was weak and
0: feeble and realize how great the magnitude of what God did through you as a church and through you as an individual. What we'll see. We'll see an eternity of people who have come to God And we don't want to miss what he wants to do. That's missions. We all have a part in it. Missions starts here at home. Amen?
1: Father, we we thank you for this time. And Lord, we come before you as a church. And I come before you as one of the elders. Lord, we don't always do this right. Lord, sometimes we need to sit back and really look at the mission you have for this church collectively and the mission that you have for us individually. Lord, illuminate in our hearts through your spirit, Lord, the part that that is. We pray, Lord, that our obedience as we love you will lead us to love others. And Lord, we pray that That loving of others would lead to the fruit that brings life. Help us to be more missional. Lord, as we worship you together, we just pray that your name would be praised because Jesus, without you, there isn't a message.
0: Lord, for us to hold with joy and, and to be able to share. We ask in Christ's name, amen.